Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an iHeartRadio podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Our show is about to begin. More than just a game that contains great music, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is a game whose very theme is music. This is The Soundtrack Show. to the soundtrack show i'm your host david w collins and this is our second episode on the legend of zelda ocarina or ocarina of time a video game from 1998 for the nintendo 64 console produced by the legendary shigeru miyamoto directed by five talented directors toro osawa yoichi yamada eiji aonuma yoshiaki koizumi and toshio iwawaki with a grand musical score by koji kondo In our first episode, we discussed the massive leap forward in interactive music that the games industry as a whole had begun to take in the 1990s, and how Ocarina of Time is not just an interactive game score, meaning a score that reacts to the player and to the gameplay itself, but we also talked about how it breaks down the walls of diegetic versus non-diegetic music. The object of interest in the very plot of Ocarina is the playable instrument itself, and Through the game and its story, we have to learn and perform various fragments of leitmotifs in order to progress forward. In this episode, we're going to explore more of those fantastic melodies. We're also going to look at the music Kondo-san wrote for various locations and encounters throughout the game. 
and along the way, discuss how the game and its story is musically themed, even beyond the playing of our digital ocarina. I want to dive right in by continuing to look at various melodies that we play on the ocarina and focus on the first part of the game. If you recall, the the Legend of Zelda formula at this time in history was to complete a first act. You visit these three dungeons, you collect three artifacts, and it all culminates in what is kind of a false happy ending, only to find out that the real game was just beginning. Well, in Ocarina of Time, we're able to explore a lot of different lands in this opening act, even ones that we can't complete. We learn quite a few fun melodies, we engage in multiple side quests and minigames, and we really experience the vast scope of the game's design. And this is all happening by playing as Link when he is just a small child. This all comes together when Link opens a portal to the sacred realm within Hyrule's Temple of Time. And after that, everything changes. But more on that much later. Picking up from where we left off in the last episode, we had just met Princess Zelda herself, and her bodyguard Impa taught us a melody on the ocarina, Zelda's Lullaby. Ah, there it is. And from here, we start to explore. If you recall, we found one spiritual stone in the Deku Tree, and we need to find two more magic stones so that we may open the sacred realm and retrieve the Triforce, the most magical object in this world. Uh, and we need to retrieve it before Ganondorf, our villain in human form, can steal it in his quest for total power. And on the way to find these magic spiritual stones to open the sacred realm, we're going to hear plenty of great music. We're going to start with a melody that is simple and is an example of Koji Kondo's unique writing for this game. What I mean by that is because we are learning just simple fragments of melody for the gameplay at first, so we learn how to do this gameplay mechanic, Kondo-san wrote very simple melodies. They're not even melodies at first, they're just groups of notes. But how he develops them and treats them harmonically is really what makes them shine. Not far from Hyrule Castle is a quiet place called Lon Lon Ranch. Here, you meet several ranchers, as well as a young girl named Malin, who is singing this three-quarter time or waltz lullaby, named after a horse that will eventually, in the future, become your steed, who you will call upon with this melody once you master it. Let's take a listen. The same three notes as Zelda's theme, only in a different order. Keep in mind, Kondo-san is working with a very limited series of tones mapped to your Nintendo 64 controller, so he has to write very simple melodies, especially as we're all learning, musician or not, to play them in this game. So even though these are the same three notes, he harmonizes them very differently. This is where he's really clever. Let's take a listen to it in the background melody at Lon Lon Ranch. This 
This to my ear has a wonderful old-fashioned country western feel to it. There's even a little MIDI line imitating a lap steel guitar. This tune is like something you'd hear out of an old Gene Autry picture. I think this evokes in us, as I'm sure it did for Koji Kondo, a sense of quaint nostalgia, as he was a fan of Hollywood films. And the Western was one of the most, if not the most popular genre of movies produced in Hollywood in the mid-20th century. So Lon Lon Ranch feels cozy, quaint, rural, rustic. Similar to the setup we got in The Shire in Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings scores. The good in Hyrule worth fighting for, as I mentioned in my second episode on Fellowship of the Ring. This is a peaceful area. A break from the encounters that Link will face in Hyrule Field and elsewhere. In fact, a similar piece is found in another location, Kakariko Village. It's clear on the other side of Hyrule Field and at the foot of Death Mountain. This is actually a piece that Kondo-san wrote for 1991's The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, and it's making its second appearance in this game. We can immediately hear the similar emotional response that Kondo-san was going for here. A sense of rural tranquility. Instead of Malin singing or a fiddle playing, it's a harmonica blowing the main melody. Like a Kakariko village citizen sitting on her front porch, watching her chickens play in the yard as she plays a simple tune. And instead of being a three-quarter time waltz like Lon Lon Ranch, ba da dum one and two, three, one and two, three, one, two, three. This is in a six pattern called six, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six. 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 Which you can also count in four. One and a two and a three and a four and a, etc. Both have this similar swing to them. They both have this subdivision of three, a lazy sound that lets us know that we're not about to face enemies. Whether we knew it or not, the reason we didn't immediately go into either of these areas with swords drawn as gamers is because the music told us immediately that we simply didn't have to. These are peaceful parts of the game. And while there's no melody here in Kakariko Village that we have to learn as a child, that will come later, there are other melodies that we must learn in order to find our next spiritual stone. Not far from where the game started lies a magical forest, the Kokiri Forest, where it's quite easy to get lost. We go in looking for a childhood friend named Saria, and the music that we hear is one of the most unique pieces of video game music that Koji Kondo ever composed. 
And like the two themes we've already discussed for the ocarina, this piece also centers around and builds upon just three notes. These notes then develop into a large melody that goes like this. Now that gives us a little more information as to what Kondo-san is up to, but with no chords to give us context, it's hard to know what this is. But this is wild when I play it with some harmonic content. Check this out. is a very Lydian sound. Not a major chord, but close. A raised fourth that begs to resolve up like this. Maria, the Simpsons. Now this is a really popular sound in film scoring, and in fact, we discussed it in great length in my episodes about Back to the Future. And in this setting, the raised fourth is a natural note in the C major scale. Here's what I mean by that. In C major, when you are on the four chord, the sharp four is actually diatonic or natural to the scale. So this sound gets used a lot to evoke emotion such as the music I wrote for this podcast. And usually there's some very sort of strong resolve up to that tonic, in this case C, to relieve the tension. But what's so unique about this piece is its playful nature. The Kokiri Forest is a place of mischief, where we'll meet lots of interesting characters, Heck, at one point, there's even a Simon Says-style minigame where you have to play back melodies that forest creatures challenge you to learn and perform on your ocarina, true to the game's previously mentioned musical theme. But this mischief in the forest, one that's easy to get lost in, is reflected in this music. The lack of that resolve, the hanging on that sharp four, that Lydian, over and over again. It hangs on that uncertainty as the player decides which direction to go, giving us that mischief. Instead of hitting us square on the head with a solid resolve back to the one, our starting place, like maybe like this, I don't know, it dances around the one. It doesn't really ever land on it in a satisfying way. It just kind of hints at it and kind of keeps going and then comes back to the main grouping of notes. It just gives us the one as a passing tone. It kind of dances over it, and then when it gives it to us, it, it kind of goes down and dances away from it, like this. Just overshot it, and then it'll just give us here a little bit around the seventh. You can kind of hear it in the background chord, but it doesn't really hang on it or make a meal out of the one in the melody. I think that's why this piece feels so good in this section. It just kind of leads us moving forward, giving us that forward momentum as a gamer to kind of figure this puzzle out. 
And the way the piece is orchestrated feels like we're listening to this merry band of troubadours making their way through Sherwood Forest, banging on tambourines, blowing on pipes, playing their lutes, and dancing around their local encampments. It's medieval, but the melodic content is just so interesting. Eventually, we make our way through the Kokiri Forest and find Seria, who teaches us this melody for ourselves to play on our ocarina. Its purpose will become clear later, but let's just say we need it in order to unlock what comes next. We must make our way through Kakariko Village, up Death Mountain, to visit a race of rock giants called the Gorons. And now for a brief intermission. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We return now to the soundtrack show. Ah, the Gorons of Hyrule. They sure love to roll around, plant bomb flowers, and play with rocks. They're friendly enough to Link when we arrive, but they just won't let us get where we need to go. Not unless we convince the patriarch of the tribe to let us pass. And before we do, we're treated to one of my favorite tracks of the game. We can hear a talking drum sample and Darbuka percussion samples laying a nice groove here. Then suddenly we hear in the bass what sounds like a wooden mallet instrument, most likely a marimba. Then on top of it is a major key melody in marimba, nice and pleasant, just moving in sixths through a major scale. The melody has a B section as well that gives it this kind of bluesy feel with a mixolydian scale. Nice. This B section reminds me of the B section of a famous jazz tune called Mercy, Mercy, Mercy. with melodies and rhythm being banged out on hard surfaces like marimba reflects the tribal influence of the Gorons in the story. They're rock creatures. 
By the way, the use of marimba reminds me of how other tribes have been depicted in science fiction, such as the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi 15 years prior. Though the special edition had been re-released in theaters just a year before Ocarina of Time's release. Anyway, I love the happy mood of this track. It always makes me want to go back and visit the Gorons. Their leader and patriarch, Darunia, won't let us pass. He won't let us into Dodongo's cave, which we need to get into to get the spiritual stone of fire. That is, until we figure out that we need to play Saria's forest song on the ocarina, which then sends Darunia into a dancing frenzy in what is a pretty funny and musically themed puzzle. This leads us to our second dungeon, Dodongo's Cavern. This is a great example of what I was talking about before, of music taking a much more atmospheric vibe in our typical dungeons, certainly more so than it did in the original game, like we talked about in the last episode. Like the Deku Tree, Dodongo's Cavern is mostly tonal, with low tones unsettling us as we traverse the lava-ridden rooms of this cavern. And there's one really memorable sample of what sounds like steam coming out of the lava that plays now and again, reverberating through its passages. Ah, oh, that's nice. Anyway, we won't get into boss music or sub-boss music since we played a little of it in the last episode. But after you collect the Firestone, you must find your last spiritual stone, a water spiritual stone. It's in Zora's lair. Zora's a character from the original game making a very different appearance in this game. And when you finally do find it, you discover a watery paradise hidden in a massive grotto behind a waterfall. I had that same feeling of longing that I had when I initially saw Kokiri Forest when I first arrived at Zora's Lair. This section is so fun. You get to dive and swim around like you're in a massive indoor water park. And the music reflects this fun. It starts out, by the way, with what sounds like steel drums echoing through the grotto with some synth behind it, and of course, very rich, cavern-esque reverb. Let's listen. Now, let's listen again to those chords. What does it play? A series of major chords that spell out the chord progression of that classic overworld theme. Here, I'll give it to you again. Another nod to the original Legend of Zelda music. A theme that is never heard in this game, but one that Hyrule seems to always pay homage to. And then when the main Zora's Domain theme kicks in... almost bossa nova beat, with a melody on acoustic guitar rich in major sevenths, with steel drums rolling chords in the background. This piece of music flat out feels like something you would hear at a tropical resort.
wonder I love this level so much. I could just put this and Super Mario Sunshine's Delfino Island on a playlist and hang out at the beach all day. Eventually, you find your way into your third and final, what you think is your final, dungeon. And there is another mythical, even biblical reference here. You have to enter the belly of the beast. Like Jonah's giant whale, you journey into the belly of a friendly but sick whale named Jabu Jabu in order to find the last needed spiritual stone, as well as Zora's daughter, Princess Rudo. And the music for this dungeon is once again quite atmospheric. Ooh, well, first of all, there's more Darbuka percussion, but it's not at an even pace. It kind of stumbles a bit. And then there's these rising strings that keep up, up, upping the tension and... What's that sound? Like a rubbery, stomachy... Oh, oh no. Jabu Jabu is sick. Ugh. This whale's gonna have severe indigestion. We, we better get that last stone, find Princess Rudo, and get out of here! Whew. But my friends, we now have all three spiritual stones. The Soundtrack Show will continue in a moment. We return now to The Soundtrack Show. Before we head into the Temple of Time to wrap up the first act of Ocarina, we're going to make a few stops along the way. First, it's good to know that there are multiple caves hidden throughout Hyrule where magical fairies dwell. These fairies will teach us useful magic spells and will also restore us to full health. Their music also comes from 1991's A Link to the Past, and it sounds like this. Now you open with harps, and then you get this really nice harp arpeggio way up top here, with a nice second harp giving you counterpoint below. This is nice. It's a light, fancy arpeggio of minor and major, even some diminished chords giving us a bit of mystery and magic, but never threatening. You got this G minor arpeggio, but this note up here touches on an F sharp, which to my ear sounds like it's hinting at the G minor's dominant, a D major, and then back again, and then landing happily on F9, a major seventh chord with a ninth on top. That jazzy condosan sound. But it then continues its chromatic descent in the melody. And then finally rests on D minor. Again, hinting at D minor's dominant with this C sharp. An interesting piece. And that descending melodic line definitely gives us the impression of a magical light energy descending down upon us like a fairy floating above our heads. And indeed, the scenes with the fairies depict them floating above us, with a 3D camera showing them high above the player. Now, I don't find this music to be scary. It's actually really relaxing, even ever since I was a teenager. But boy, can we just take a second and talk about the voice acting of these fairies? It's always been terrifying to me, kind of blurring the lines, I'm sure intentionally, between good and evil. Are they fairies, or are they magical, sinister witches that look like fairies?
Okay, well, uh, clearly they mean us no harm, but man, do they find all of this to be really hilarious. Help. Okay, we're gonna leave the cave, and now we must make our way to the Temple of Time. Victory is at hand, I think. Let's go back to the castle. Suddenly, as we approach Hyrule Castle, night falls. The drawbridge opens. And the scene from our nightmare in the very first moments of the game comes to pass. Princess Zelda is being carried away on horseback by her bodyguard, Impa. As she rides by, she looks back at you and... Wait, did she throw something into the moat? An object as she looked at me? But before we can process it, Ganondorf, the evil goblin man, rides out on his horse, stops, and looks at us. He introduces himself and laughs at the idea that we would be a challenge to him at all. Like the true villain he is, he conjures dark magic and knocks us back about 10 feet. Falling to the ground, remember, our avatar Link is still a young child. He rides off into the distance, seemingly to follow and find Princess Zelda. This is a significant moment in the game, and it signals the beginning of Innocence Lost. We are clearly no match for Ganondorf. We're in way over our heads, and something really bad is about to happen. Now, it's worth noting that before this moment happens in the game, we did have the ability to explore other areas, even if we couldn't get that far. One of those areas is the Temple of Time, where there's this seal, this door, that we could not open. The music inside the Temple of Time sounds like this. This is a clear homage to plain chant, or more commonly known as Gregorian chant, a style of music from the Middle Ages that lasted literally hundreds of years in our world. By the way, that's a whole separate podcast. If you think about how fast our world moves, speeding up exponentially over the last few hundred years in terms of fashion, art, design, technology, music, style, whatever, it's hard to imagine then, at one point in time, the Western world didn't change much at all for a whopping 700 years. A time when plain chant, this kind of music, was the dominant sacred music heard throughout cathedrals in the Western world. Anyway, that makes it a perfect choice for this Temple of Time, this set piece clearly inspired by Gothic cathedrals all over Europe. And its melody is simple. Why? We had no way of knowing until now. Remember that object we thought we saw Zelda cast away into the moat? It is Zelda's magical ocarina. The title of the game, the MacGuffin itself, the Ocarina of Time. And with it, the true game is about to begin. Once Link touches it, Zelda calls out to him telepathically and teaches him this plain chant melody. On our Dorian MIDI controller of an ocarina, Koji Kondo spells out, a simple minor chord, again, just three notes, repeated twice. One that starts with an open fifth, but going downward 
like the towering massive columns that loom over our heads in a cathedral. And as you gaze back up, you get the minor third, spelling out the chord. A nice, simple melody to learn early on in the game, but one that develops into a full plain chant melody as we heard. This is yet another great example of Koji Kondo writing with simple gameplay melodies and developing them into something exquisite. And now, we head into the Temple of Time, armed with three spiritual stones and a magical ocarina. And we're ready to play its melody and unlock the door of time, and with it, gain entrance to the sacred realm where we may retrieve and protect the Triforce from Ganondorf and keep Hyrule safe. Now, this is a great dramatic moment to enter the Temple of Time after that big cinematic sequence we saw. We have to go through the market square with its bustling medieval energy, yes, yes, and then to the front of the temple. I love this. There's no music. Just the sounds of wind through the trees. Kind of heavy winds, actually, if you think about it. Bordering on ominous, but not really. And distant birds. An effective use of musical silence. And then we enter. We stand in front of a stone monument. We play the Song of Time. And we get this wonderful musical moment where the Temple of Time theme plays, accompanied underneath by those original Zelda overworld chords yet again, spelling out the framework of the original game's overworld melody. Another nice homage to Zelda's legacy. The doors of time open, and inside, we find a piece of storytelling borrowed from Arthurian legend, the Master Sword buried in a slab of stone. We pull it effortlessly from its resting place, and suddenly, we get a victorious musical stinger. Oh, that was cool. Oh, this is great. What's going to happen next? Wait. Suddenly, we hear Ganon's music again. What happened? Oh no, he's followed us into the sacred realm. He's stealing the Triforce. Is the game over? <laughs> Everything fades to white. Suddenly, though we can't see, we hear a voice. Not really a voice, but a pop-up box with text, but whatever. And it's accompanied by some crazy, crazy music. Not like the gothic minor tonal chords we heard outlined in the plain chant, no. These harps, plucking like raindrops, with these male and female ethereal voices. The 
they seem to be creating an entirely different mood. This is the Sacred Realm, a magical place that exists out of time, where Link has been kept dormant for seven years. Here, we meet our first magical sage, Raru, and the music is bonkers. What's going on musically here? Well, there's a quality to it that is mysterious, but no, not mysterious. There's a quality to it that's scary, but no, it's not scary. It's kind of comforting, but no, wait, no, it's not. It's just weird. It's hard to put my finger on it. Our Western ears wait for tonal resolution. They wait for cadences. They wait for musical answers. Yes, yes, it is. Hard to put our finger on it. By design. What is this? Well, it's written, from what I can tell, almost entirely with a whole tone scale, playing off each other in a kind of soprano versus baritone organized chaos. What is a whole tone scale? Well, we've discussed major scales. That happy, feel-good sound, a la the sound of music, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. And we've discussed minor scales that sound ominous, dark, moody, sad, etc. And we've discussed mixed modes as well, Lydian, Dorian. But these two, major and minor, are two basic, very common modes in Western music that our ears are very accustomed to. Scales are simply, as I've said before, made up of a series of notes, a collection of notes. And sometimes... They're a whole tone apart from each other. Meaning. And sometimes they're a half tone or a half step. Whole step. Whole step. Half step. Without getting deeper into it and a full scale breakdown, the important concept to know is that each of these scales, major and minor, contain a series of whole tones and half tones that make up that very familiar sound that our ears are accustomed to. What a whole scale is, is a six-note scale that is neither major or minor. It's also both major and minor. It's a series of notes that are all a whole tone apart. It's very disconcerting. It sounds like this. It just doesn't spell out simple triadic harmony. There's no perfect fifth in this scale. There's no pillars of the house, as we've discussed. There's no this. There's only this. Or this. Or this. It's unsettling in its lack of resolution. It just kind of runs in this endless, almost neutral cycle. This makes it the perfect choice for a timeless sacred realm. A realm away from the chronology of Zelda's story where this scene takes place, and we find out that we are about to jump seven years into Hyrule's future. As this music plays, we are given the game's real mission. Go to five temples and awaken five sages, all of whom we have met in our childhood, 
or will meet when we travel back to our childhood. Is that something we can now do? But we must do this in order to save the world. Because come to find out, Ganondorf has won and is the king of evil. And over the last seven years, Hyrule has plunged into darkness. The world is suffering. It's become a land of monsters. We must find the five sages in order to contain Ganon's evil, giving us a chance to face him and save the kingdom. Oh, and there's one other thing. Our young child Link is now an adult. We are now old enough to become the hero of time and save Hyrule. Before I wrap this episode, I want to call out that one of the core metaphors of this game is the difficult transition into adulthood. And that's one that resonated with me even at the age of 23 when I first played it. In my last year of school, that December, I felt the weight of Hyrule on my shoulders, the loss of innocence, the need to embark into the unknown, or for me, to enter the working world as an adult and take care of myself on my own. And sure enough, this metaphor is all over the game. Seven years into the future, the kingdom of Hyrule has definitely changed when we see it again. The beautiful land that I once wanted to somehow go to is now steeped in evil and chaos. And it's our job as the player to take on the responsibility of setting things right again. In our next and final episode on The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, we'll look at the more complex melodies of the ocarina, where you have to push more than three buttons. We explore more of the game's musical messages and story concepts. We look at temple music and minigames, the music of friendships forged, and we will finally face off with the King of Evil in order to save Hyrule. Thank you. The Soundtrack Show is an iHeartRadio podcast. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.